Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. Welcome back to We're All a Little Crazy, a podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Same Here Global Mental Health Movement. I'm Darren Ravel, joined by Eric Cusin, Theo Fleury. Uh, this is a show, as you guys know, that brings together current events and mental health. And we just find the people who are uh, topical in the moment, who are talking about what we want to talk about, sometimes what the world doesn't want us to talk about. And like we like to say here, that we are going to make you comfortably uncomfortable. So without further ado, to introduce uh, today's guest, Eric, take it away. Absolutely, man. And, you know, in the spirit of current events, there were two big topics that happened over the last week. Uh, You first had the NFL publicly saying that they're going to be giving out a million dollars in grants uh, towards organizations, research uh, foundations that are going to be looking into research for how cannabis helps with pain management, right? And when we're talking in the context of mental health, pain comes in so many different forms, whether it's physical pain, whether it's emotional pain. I think the other the other topic which really dovetails into this nicely, um, albeit uh, unfortunate for her, is Shakari Richardson, um, the uh, uh, hopeful Olympian, I guess we got to call it now, instead of Olympian, who heard about the loss of her mother right before her race ends up having an incredible time qualifying, but because of the results of her test, by the way, taking uh, the cannabis that she did in Oregon where it's legal, but in uh, her sport in the Olympics, not legal to take, um, she's now being disqualified from participating in that competition. So we've got an amazing guest that I thought would be the perfect person so Riley played eight years in the NHL, most known for being the enforcer <laughs> um, with with uh, with the Philly Flyers as an Islander fan. I, that's why I'm laughing right now in a good way, in a, in a camaraderie type of way. But but Riley's gone on this spiritual journey towards natural healing where cannabis and, and other substances we'll talk about uh, throughout the course of the show is part of this. And so. Riley, you know, seeing the group here, seeing the camaraderie that's here, wanted to welcome you. And I think you would probably agree you're the perfect guest to be talking about this, these particular topics. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, cannabis and plant medicine have been huge, uh, huge pieces of my of my recovery and healing. So, uh, you know, it, it kills me to see people's lives ruined uh, or opportunities ruined because of, uh, you know, their choice of medicine. So it's unfortunate and the fact that we actually have to talk about this in 2021 is pretty sad. So you're talking about your healing journey, right? And and I want you to dive into that because as an organization, the same here, right? With Theo, with Darren, all the stuff we've been building for the last three years, you know, in my own personal experience of the shit that I went through and spending two and a half years laying in a bed as these doctors pumped me with 52 different psychotropic drug combinations that didn't work for me you know, our, our plan of attack and the way that we discuss things is talking about a mental health toolbox and all these different modalities that are out there that can help us on a healing journey and almost thinking of it like it's a gym for the brain, the same way that we have a gym for the body. So can you take us a little bit back again? We know you as Riley, the enforcer with the flyers, but we don't know necessarily the story in its intricacy. It's always awesome to hear it directly from the source in terms of where this journey began, where you then felt like healing was even needed? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess, uh, you know, I played eight years of professional hockey and uh, I decided to retire uh, on my own time uh, in 2010 at the age of 28. Um, 
as you can imagine, fighting for a living, it takes, uh, you know, it's toll physically, uh, mentally, which was probably even more of a challenge than the physical component of it. And then I found it really taxed me spiritually. I just felt like there was something missing. I never felt fulfilled. Um, obviously, if I, if I had skills like Theo, maybe scoring 50 a year might have been a little easier on the old spirit. But uh, I wasn't blessed with that skill. So I, you know, I decided to do it the old fashioned way. And obviously, that was a choice. I was just destined in my life to to live my childhood dream of playing the NHL. Just happened to have to fight the biggest mutants around in the, in the Central Hockey League, East Coast Hockey League, American Hockey League, and then, you know, all the way to the NHL, which I was blessed enough to to play. And um, but um, like I said, it, it took its toll, right? I mean, it was um, it was a constant grind, like a way I like to explain it. It was like a, a chronic stain of anxiety, always always worrying about the next fight, you know, fight or flight. And I was kind of in the middle, you know, just constantly anxious and constantly ready to fight. If I got the, my fight out of the way in the first period, first shift, I was like worrying about the next one. Is it today or is it tomorrow? You know, and just, you know, just, it just wears on you. Right. And uh, I fucking love, by the way, that you're sharing, not the impact of the fights themselves. You're sharing the impact of the anxieties going into the fight. So there's two things I want to bring up here, and Theo will probably laugh at these. One is you, you mentioned that uh, you know you're not a 50 goal scorer the way that Theo is. In, in true current events fashion, who's the goalie in the Stanley Cup final right now? Carey Price. Who did Riley <laughs> Coates score his one NHL goal against? Carey Price, the best right? goalie in the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So if you're if oh, you're gonna yeah, get man. on the scoreboard. That's the guy to do it against. The yeah, other, thing, and you know what, you know what, Eric? Like yeah, yeah. most most guys who had that role in the NHL, like I've talked to a lot of them, you know, post career, and they all say the same thing. It wasn't the actual fight that you know gave, caused me all the the stress. It was you know that everything leading up to it because you know, and let's go back to you know. Uh, the Coliseum and the gladiators, right? You know, right. they were going in there to actually die, you know, mm-hmm. like they could die. Well, it's no different in hockey because one punch could, you know, end it for you pretty quickly. And, and so, you know, I can't imagine, you know, having to go through that, you know, my biggest, you know, as a, as an offensive guy was, you know, I worried about scoring goals and not scoring goals. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about fighting because there was Riley Cotes on my team that were going to make sure that I got the room on the ice that I needed to have in order to be successful. So well, the reason why I'm smiling, Theo, is because I share with Riley before we got on that I, I have a working relationship with Sean Thornton, right? And w- with one of the first pictures I Google, right, of Riley is him and Sean facing each other and both their fists are out about to smack each other in the face. So why does this come full circle? So, you know, I worked as a chief revenue officer at the Florida Panthers. I come back after my crash happens. They ask me to do an event with their employees and their fans. And I usually like to bring someone who's a member of the Alliance with us to share their own personal story instead of bringing someone from the outside. I got Sean. I'm friendly with him from his time playing for the Panthers. Okay, Sean could share his story. And Sean looks at me before the event. He goes, what the hell am I going to share? I go, Sean, I go, be vulnerable. Anything that has ever, you know, upset you, bothered you, gotten under your skin. You don't need this intricate story. You just need to be vulnerable to a human being. So I get up there, I'm telling my story. It takes about, you know, you guys know it takes a while. It takes about 45 minutes to tell. And I introduce Sean to the staff and they work with him every single day. And Sean's doing this rock back and forth like a little kid, you know, who's got to present and he's nervous about presenting. He's like, <laughs> you know, my, my story is really not as intense as Eric's. And he goes, you know, when I when I had to get out there on the ice and fight these goons, like, you know, is it, you know, and, and he's naming all of these guys out there. And, and I'm sure your name was thrown in there as, as a plethora of names he threw out, Riley. And he's saying, and I got nervous before it. And I go, hold on a second. Right. And I turn to everyone in the audience. I go, did any of you think Sean Thornton got nervous before he came on the ice? Did any of you think he had to think twice about who he was fighting or did you think he was back to Theo's point this gladiator this warrior who just got out there and was like I freaking love fighting this is what this it it doesn't bother me at all I don't even research any of these guys or think about any of these guys and just that acknowledgement and Riley I, I didn't mean to cut off your 
kind of, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> momentum you were going out with your story. I just thought it was so important to bring that up is here you are. A lot of times we talk with athletes and they talk about CTE or they talk about the physical uh, trauma. And I'm sure that's part of your story. I'm not taking that away. But the vulnerability that you're sharing of the angst that went into the role that you have, kudos to you. Okay. I think it's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Please continue. But such an important piece of what you're sharing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The, the physical part of the fight was the easiest part, you know, honestly. Like, again, the the, the chronic anxiety, that's that, that, that in between of fight or flight and constantly knowing that you have to and you're, and you're being, you know, called on and depended on to, to be that guy. I mean, uh, it's not a normal state of mind. It really isn't. I mean, in, in, in speaking with the military veterans uh, after the fact, there's a lot of a lot of synergies and a lot of you know um, you know parallels to what they were going through. You know, you never really settle. You never really find peace, right? And I think as human beings, whether you're an athlete or a nine to five or whatever in between, the human spirit wants peace, and it really is already there. But we just have to tap into it. Obviously, didn't allow that between the coffee and the Sudafed and all these stimulants I was taking <laughs> to get jacked up to fight. And then, and then finding a way to calm the nervous system after the game, which was, you know, back then in my old life, it was, it was booze and, and, and party drugs and whatever else, you know? So as hard as I was going on the ice, I was going off the ice. So there was never, I was never able to find that peace, right. And, and, and find that sense of calmness that we're all supposed to be finding here. Let me get in here. Yes. So Riley, was, was everything like pump up, take down, like was there, did you, did you uh, did did you ever naturally get up uh, or naturally get down or was it all artificial? Uh, I would say ninety five uh, percent of it was artificial. I had a relationship with cannabis, but it, you know it was still it was still in that realm of mixing it with alcohol and and, and whatever coke and whatever else. You know what I mean? That was the the getting down part, which was not very conducive when you're mixing coke with with you know with with with, with alcohol and, and cannabis but um there was times where it was just cannabis but you know but but certainly jacking myself up i was not doing that naturally there was sudafed there was you know you, you name it i was taking it um the other question is, is it was it possible to get up did you feel like it was possible to get up for your role uh, without doing that or you can't you can't play 82 games a year four games right. a week it's and inhuman. Not, it's inhuman no and and if you have a certain role you know and i knew when i stepped on the ice for warm-up what i was going to feel like you know and if i didn't feel good man i was going to the sudafed ripped fuel agent orange fuck whatever <laughs> right whatever you can get your hands on because yeah, at the yeah. end of the game if you go out and shit the bed and you're one of the leaders of the team, you're going to have fucking 30 microphones in your face going, what the hell happened? Right. Yep. And I didn't want to answer those questions. Right. But the high and low, and I, this is a question for both of you because, you know, we didn't live this life. Right. And people need to hear this. So you're talking about what you took to get high, but Riley, you also shared what you talk about took to get low after the game and Theo, you shared that too like you have stories about going and drinking bottles with 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 homeless people out in the streets in new york city after games yeah. it, it what would have been and this might be a crazy question but could you have sustained the high and just continued high game to game to game or did your body need to find that low in order to regenerate yeah. for the next one is that kind of what it was yeah you had to get you some to. sort of you have to get some sort of rest yeah. for the body, right? You know, so, you know, I was a guy that would go out all night and then go to practice. As soon as practice was over, I'd go home and I'd sleep for 16 hours, right? And then get up because it was game day, right? Go get up and, you know, do it all over again, right? So, you know, it was so this just is that natural, what, yeah. what Riley was talking about with, the body's looking for homeostasis in a way you're 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 reaching for the down was a way to balance out the up that you needed for the game is that a fair way to say it and and there's no peace right riley there's no peace there's no peace there's no peace there's, no peace. Like, there's nowhere to go to get peace because you're playing three times a week you're practicing every day 
you got to work out, you got to do all this stuff. So there, there's really no time. And then when you're actually away from the rink, you're sleeping because you're exhausted, right? And your brain's exhausted probably more than, than the physical part, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so that's you, it. Know, you guys know this as, as your career is happening, your role, Riley, like you said, you want to be an NHL player. You found this niche, this role. Even if Theo's niche and role is a different role, you found this niche and this role. What you're taking is giving you and allowing you to do these things. Do you know at the time, and I know we could talk about different eras and time periods, do both of you guys know at the time that you're taking these things that this is potentially going to have a longer-term effect, or are you not even considering that during the time? No, you're not really considering it. I think with the back of your mind, I think every human probably knows that living like that isn't uh, isn't healthy, you know, for obviously for, for for the physical body and the mind, the spirit and the whole bit. But you're in this you're in this moment of self-preservation. Like for me, it was just I just wanted to stay there. So I was just doing everything in my power to always look like I'm ready to rock. And that, you know, in, in, in that life, in that moment, it, it required a stimulus. And, and to Theo's point, like there was you know, if, if regeneration repairing is, is revolving around sleep, like like sleep is the spine of recovery, <laughs> you know, and if you're not sleeping and you ask, okay, can, can you sustain this for 82 games? Hell no. There's no way you'd be belly up somewhere um, if you were trying to, to try and do that. And I think a lot of guys did. And that's probably why they landed up in substance abuse programs and or dead is because that's what, what, they, what they were trying to do. You're, tr you know, you, you, you are innate. Uh, you know, um, we're innate spiritual beings and, and there is a piece that we're supposed to be tapping into. And when you don't, to me, that's when, you know, things go awry and, and the mental health kicks in is you, you don't sleep properly. And then you're depending on stimulants to get going. And in this case, you know, I was obviously abusing those too. And then I was abusing drugs on the back end of it just to like, just to calm my nervous system and you know, and, and to just kind of like find a sense of peace, not you know, the true sense of peace, but it was, it was, a, it was calming enough that I could actually maybe pass out or fall asleep. You know, um, you know, what's so interesting to me here, it, the construct of what we are supposed to be when we perform as fans, they don't often think about what you guys had to go through. Uh, I, uh, I am friends with Lance Armstrong, and I knew going in that as a reporter, it was going to be an issue when the performance enhancing drugs came up. But it also allowed me to think about what are they doing here in the Tour de France? I mean, is it possible? I mean, it looks amazing. It's crazy. It, is it possible for a human being to actually do that for 25 straight days? Like, not doing anything, not having any performance. It's not possible. So like Lance maybe used it better, but like yeah. I doubt there was a single person who didn't enhance themselves in some way because it's not possible. Like it's also not possible to have a 82 game season and do what you guys do. And so like, I always think about like the expectations of things and how, how, how that sets things up. Like the reason all the steroids happen in baseball is like, oh, no, it's also about the owners who expected them to hit all these home runs. It's what system are you in? And I just think, well, that home run, that home run chase between Sosa and McGuire saved yeah, baseball. Right, yeah. it, saved, it saved baseball. Absolutely. It saved baseball. Yeah, right. I just I just think about, you know, that that you are behind the eight ball, even though it's greatness and joy and a dream seriously based on the schedule and what you're supposed to do and given human capacity you are behind the eight ball from day one yeah you know what and, and darren to, yeah, i i love what you're saying there and you know i guess if i was playing 82 games of men's league i could prepare 82 games without stimulants and if you want to do a tour de france without the competition and just do 25 days of cycling through the mountains and wherever the hell else you're going to go i think anybody could probably do that but once, as soon as you, as soon as you, you elevate, you know, the ego says, "I gotta be here," you know, to to achieve my dream, and and then all of a sudden, it's in a different dimension of thinking, right? It's it's no longer about well-being and just being. It's now it's now out of that zone into absolute competition. Now you're now you're playing at the highest level, and you're competing for, uh, well, your ego is competing, and then you're, you're obviously there's this element of making money. Um, so you know, different dimensions of thinking, you know, and then that's something we chose. 
Um, and then obviously the thinking behind it is a lot different than if you just like, if you're just enjoying a sport or enjoying an activity for the sake of enjoying it, you know, and that's what human beings really are designed to do, um, is just, you know, it's just be right. And then there's a different, it's just a different dimension, dimension. And you, you add that extra stress on by thinking that way. So, so what, what, what was Riley Cote's rock bottom then? Where, where did, where did the, where did you go? I'm in big trouble. I need help. And then all, and then all these pieces started to, you know, to, to show up. Uh, my rock bottom was, I guess, probably a full, a full season. It was in 2010. Uh, we had our head coach fired, uh, John Stevens, Peter Laviolette came in and I had a diminished role. And, um, and it was kind of like, I could kind of see where this was going, you know, and he, he is like, Oh, we would want a Stanley cup in Carolina without a tough guy. So, um, you know, I could kind of see the writing on the wall. I had a good attitude you know, I did my, did what I had to do around the locker room there, but, uh, I landed up partying even more, right. I was scratched even more than I had been scratched and on the road, I was partying even more. Uh, went through, I was going through a divorce. I think it was probably all kind of combined, right? I mean, it was just like, you know, and uh, the, the, you know, party Riley was just like enhanced, right? I was maintaining a good attitude around the rink. Um, but the, the reality was after that season, and I had another year on my contract, I was probably gonna get sent down to the minors. And, and you know, again, so just, uh, just living unsustainably, probably into another dimension of living unsustainably. And then I went into that off season. So I, I had two surgeries at the end of that year. Um, I had a finger surgery and a nose surgery and, but La Lavi had planted a seed in my head and he was always talking about lean hockey players. They lean, we want you lean. And, you know, obviously that would make sense, right? You're playing a very, very functional, quick, dynamic sport, but I was packing all weight. I mean, I'm a buck 80 right now. I was playing at about 215, 220, being a fat ass and fighting all these big dudes and, you know what I mean? Packing all weight. So I, he'd planted this seed in my head and um, throughout that season, I was just a hard worker. So I just did what the coach asked, hard work. I'd show up, like Leo said, like I'd just be half drunk half the time and, you know, hung over and just did my work going and going into the end of that season, two surgeries. And I had a relationship with cannabis, as I mentioned before, um, and, and I was recognizing I had a substance abuse problem. I said to myself, I, I can, I can recover from these two surgeries with cannabis and not touch these pharmaceuticals. And, and, and I chose to do that. And I proved to myself that I could manage pain with cannabis and not, and not succumb to these pills that, you know, I was chewing on with alcohol and everything else, right. Uh, at, at the bar and wherever else I was. And then, you know, I was kind of like, you know, in that moment of like finding peace in myself and, you know, I guess praying, you know, like, you know, speaking to the universe, whatever you want to call it. And, and like asking for some guidance, not two weeks after uh, the, in my year in meetings, Paul Holmgren kind of knew where I was at mentally and spiritually. You know, I was just like, you know, kind of like at a crossroads. Well, I get a phone call and um, and, and uh, one of the assistant coaches for the minor league team, Phil, uh, was the Adirondack Phantoms at the time, um, his house burnt down and said, hey, listen, there's a there's a job opening. Um, you know, would you, would you, would you be interested in it? And instantly in that moment, I had another year in my contract one way with the flyers. And in, the, in that moment, I was like, this is my exit strategy. This is, a, this is my opportunity to kind of build off what I just figured out with that. I could, I could use plant medicine to, to, to heal. Cause I just had this amazing, you know, amazing, you know, you know, aha moment that, wow. I was like, this is this is this has been medicine all along. This is this is like this is therapy, but obviously it's it's one tool, and I need to integrate that with all these other tools. So I went on this, I took the job. I, I told Homer, I, I called him back in the morning, said I'm I'm out. You know, I'm bowing out with honor. You know, I appreciate you thinking of me, and you know, you've been loyal to me, and I've been you know loyal to the Flyers organization. Get my you know not that my salary was anything ex extravagant, but get it off the salary cap and move on. But uh, that was it. It was like, okay, now I'm, now I'm on the other side of the fence. Now I'm, now I am, I'm fully engaged in healing. So all the effort I put into fighting and being an animal, I just put into, into recovery. And then it was just reading and it was executing, reading, integration, reading, integration. And then I realized that all these plants had, <laughs> were all medicinal, right? I mean, and, and including the most important, which was diet. It's all information. It's all, it's all intelligence and it's all feeds the brain, right? And uh, that was, you know, and then substituted my heavy lifting with yoga and mindful movement. And 
start to breathe properly, which I was holding my breath and I was fighting. I kind of realized after and started looking at myself as more of a, a martial artist, you know, to your point of 82 games sustaining that. Well, you fight, you know, UFC fighters fight three, four, four, four times a year and they're the most mindful warriors you're ever going to find. If I would have had that mentality, maybe I could have sustained it a little bit longer, but you know, should have, would have, could have, but just kind of taking that mentality into my modern life, you know, and, and all things combined, right. It's a, it's yeah. a full package deal. Well, you know, so, so amazing to bring us to that point in your career and your life, Riley, and where those things started to turn kind of looking to you at this show to be the expert for us on having this conversation about plant medicine generally. And I'm, I'm going to give some, some backstory here and things that if you don't mind helping us clear up in being that expert, right? Because I think people hear terms like cannabis, pot, weed, THC, CBD, and it all sounds like a mishmash of the same thing. So, so that's one thing I want to, I want to help provide clarity on. Another thing is what I love what you're sharing is you're not sharing whatever the it is that you're using from a plant medicine perspective. You're not relying on that it as the sole thing that is this miracle pill healing you. And and why do I bring that up? Because Theo and I have had so many back and forth conversations about what's the right message to put out there as it pertains to plant medicine, because one of our fears is just like with psych with, with pharmaceuticals, where the, the pharmaceutical industry has sold in this concept of you take this Prozac, you take this Lexapro and you're good now, you're cured. Because there's benefits of plant medicine, we also don't want to be promoting that plant medicine by itself. Don't do anything else. Just take this thing. Don't worry about meditation, mindful yoga, uh, yoga uh, meaningful movement, and that you can just sit on the couch, smoke or do whatever, take gummies, and you're good. So can you give us a little bit of, of education, if you wouldn't mind, on the breakdown of what's what, and then how you believe these things work together towards resiliency and healing the brain body connection sure yeah uh, going back to the, the the first point there cannabis you know what is cannabis and and cannabis is the umbrella word for what you would call marijuana or hemp you know hemp is cannabis marijuana is you know unfortunately a slang um, that was created um, to demonize the plant and, you know start a prohibition um, but cannabis is the real term you know it's that's the plant and then within that plant, there's all these different compounds, right? Just like an orange would have vitamin C and vitamin D and all these other trace minerals. Well, I think they've identified over 120 cannabinoids, THC being psychotropic and CBD being non-psychotropic. But those are just two of like over 120 identified cannabinoids. So THC is what you'd you know find in you know in a marijuana plant or you know a, a medical cannabis plant and then this and then you could find cbd within that plant as well but then there's this whole other world of you know cannabis based products that have no psychotropic effect at all and that would be other in, in the u.s hemp derived cbd what's psychotropic mean i guess that would be the sexy word for being high you know it's just you know i, I don't like using the word high because it's just i feel like it's just misunderstood and misrepresented um uh but yeah i, mean, I guess i gotta speak layman's terms too Cannabis is, cannabis is more confusing to the average person than crypto. Yeah, uh, you're right. Because, because, because it portends to be simple, like crypto, yeah, whatever. But like <laughs> we still, there, are, there are all these beverages that have, there's a THC beverage, there's a CBD beverage. We don't know. Like when you look at the supermarket and you see something with CBD, you're like, wait, is that legal in a drink? What should that get me? How should I feel? Like we don't know the stages of each part of cannabis, titration, whatever it is, which is like, you know, that's the craziest thing. That, that's just, what we have Riley here for. He like yeah. <laughs> that umbrella, that umbrella of explaining to us the plant is the cannabis plant. Then what I'm what I'm understanding from you and, and tell me if I'm learning here correctly, Riley, is within that there's all these different substances within it of which some are THC, which are psychotropic. Some are CBD. Right. But then there's all these other ones besides that. So I think the next layer of this, which is where Darren is getting to and obviously different things for different people. But as you're using this plant towards healing towards its medicinal properties how do you in your mind 
separate out the THC from the CBD from the other ones? What is beneficial? Are they all beneficial? Do you mix them? Do you separate them? All that would be so helpful. Yeah. Well, it's a combination of all of them. Honestly, it's it comes back to just respecting the medicine, right? And understanding what you're working with. And I just want to go back a step just to kind of in, in the US separate the two plants. So you have a medical cannabis and an adult use recreational program here in the US, state by state. I know Canada is different. And then you have a hemp derived CBD, hemp derived cannabinoids, and they have to be legally grown below 0.3% THC. So even if you ingested a, a full bottle, a 30 milliliter bottle of, of C, a full spectrum CBD, meaning has the trace elements of THC, you wouldn't get high from it. So I just wanted to clear that up because there's a, there's a, a large group of people that just take hemp derived CBD products and they have no intention of getting high, no intention of finding that psychotropic effect, right? And then you have a bunch of people that maybe do both. You know, CBD is naturally uh, a, a high anti-inflammatory. It's a neuroprotectant. It has all these incredible uh, medicinal value that that people are looking for. And when I started uh, in, on my path of healing, I had a relationship with cannabis, but it was just like any any one of us growing up. There wasn't any selection. It was whatever you could find. It was flour. There was no there's no vape pens. There's no topicals and you know and gels and all this stuff, right? So. I had this whole, you know, aha moment of all these different types of cannabis-based products, but I went heavy on the CBD. The U.S. government holds a patent on cannabinoids as neuroprotectants. They actually promote neurogenesis, so it actually helps create new neural pathways in the brain. So I went heavy on the CBD as, as want, well as still hear use. that, Riley. I want, I want, Pardon I want me? you to emphasize that because now one of the components within the cannabis plant, CBD that you're talking about, we'll get into the other ones, because a lot of times the misnomer, back to Darren's point, is nothing in a pot slash cannabis plant is productive for, um, you know, creating neuroplasticity, creating new connections in the brain. What you're sharing here is CBD, not only in terms of its anti-inflammatory, um, uh, 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 I guess, properties um it's also got these are other neurogenerative generative properties as well 100 yeah google uh u.s patent 6630507 and it's neuroprotectants antioxidants and anti-inflammatories um and that's been since 2004 so this is not like new information right but sure. it's it's suppressed right and and they don't want people to know about this and there's a fine line with with THC, and I, I had to learn this from experience as well as you know some as some as some reading uh, along with it. But you know THC is psychotropic, right? And there's a fine line where you can use um, a small amount of THC without sacrificing productivity and sacrificing you know certain elements of your day and, and not getting too stoned. And then therefore you're sacrificing you know the stuff that you want to get accomplished. Because there's a lot of people, you can abuse anything, right? You, you can abuse food. We see, we look around the Western world here. Uh, we abuse food in a very fashioned way. Um, and, and most people misuse cannabis. That's the reality. And I've seen it. I've been to a million different conferences. You got the extreme recreational community that are doing, you know, 99% dabs all day long and their belly up, foaming on the, you know, drooling all over themselves. <laughs> going back to the respect of the plant, understanding what you're doing with it. Um, and, and THC, and it's taken me years to really find, I, I call it a microdose, microdosing THC. So I can actually have a small amount of THC. Um, That's my and, biggest issue right now is I cannot find the right amount of THC. Because yeah, I don't want to get high. Really, like, really, am, really, really low. Really, like I'm talking like one or two, three milligrams even. You know what I mean? I, microdose is like, what? Yeah. before we talk about the amount, you just shared CBD's qualities in terms of what it does for the brain. Can you help dispel the misnomer if there is one? In a small amount, what now you're going to share with us what that amount is in a second, Riley. In a small amount, can the THC portion of the cannabinoid plant help the brain? Not just be a psychotropic in terms of, you know, numbing pain or, or, feeling out of it or 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 getting away from difficult feelings is there anything that is productive for the the chemistry the biology of the brain body connection in the thc 
There is, and, and, and the medicine's always in the dose, right? And uh, we have to be very honest and clear about what we're talking about too. Like everyone is so different. We got medical cannabis patients that are treating cancer and in some really extreme disease states. And I'm not going to sit here and say, tell them to, to, to microdose cannabis because they might need, they might need a lot more THC. There is a, a very serious pain management component to THC. I, I'm just talking about a regular everyday user that's trying to find that balance and find productivity and find some healing and find some grounding and you know what I mean and be and and and, and be active with using THC. So we have to be we have to be honest with what we're talking about. If it's, is, are you really using this as a medicinal thing, or is this you know it's always therapeutic, right? Cannabis is a therapeutic plant. Um, then 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 you have to find that balance because um, once you misuse anything. Uh, it works against you than as opposed to working for you. But yes, you're, you're you're telling us that both CBD with small amounts of THC combined together, both are medicinal, and and the THC portion of that is not just for its psychotropic effect; it's for actual medicine of the body brain connection. Absolutely. Uh, if you you know, it depends on who you talk to, but uh, I, I'm a holist, and I really believe in in the the whole plant, right? And and all the compounds. So in in the in, say in the hemp derived CBD space, you have full spectrum, meaning it has all the cannabinoids, including the trace elements of THC below 0.3% THC. Then you have broad spectrum, where they actually remove the THC for any you know call it THC free for anybody that gets drug tested or actually really has a problem with THC. Then you have a CBD isolate where they remove all the cannabinoids and terpenes. Terpenes are the, the smell of, 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 a, of a plant. Um, there's a ton of terpenes, obviously, that are very therapeutic and medicinal as well. It removes everything. So it's just a CBD molecule. Um, again, being, being a holist and, and understanding the science, they're, they're telling us that well, we have an endocannabinoid system. We have receptors in our brain and throughout our bodies. A, a perfectly made organism for this plant already exists. Uh, yeah an endogenous endocannabinoid system that exists. So these, the, these ca cannabinoids sit on these receptor sites. But from what I've learned is that THC in, in the right amount opens up the receptor sites and allows these other cannabinoids to get in there a little deeper. Um, so full spectrum is arguably a better product than broad spectrum. And broad spectrum is a, arguably a better product than a CBD isolate because it's, because it, it's more, it's more natural, right? It's just like isolating vitamin C. Well, why the hell wouldn't you just eat the whole goddamn orange? You know what I mean? It's like, it's got the vitamins, it's got the minerals. It's, 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 it's holistic. It's coming into your body together and your body recognizes it as whole. And um, here, same thing here, with cannabis. So, so the, the challenge in understanding it all, and I think Darren was bringing this up when he's talking about how people get confused in the consumer side of things is you're calling yourself a holist, right, Riley, in that – and my understanding of what you just shared about the THC is it opens up the receptor sites to get the, the CBD into them to do and have its medicinal effects. Even, and maybe THC has its own medicinal effects on top of it, but – It does. If I'm hearing that as a person who's not very well informed, I'm hearing that and I'm saying, oh, so Riley's saying the whole plant. So what I've been doing was sitting on the couch, smoking the joint that I've been smoking before because it's the whole plant. He's saying that's 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 what I need to do. That that's the path towards healing, right? And I think the the nuance of what you're explaining here is so important because the recreational users that you described, and I, look, we all have friends who've gotten in that path of doing that. And let's be honest, pot the, and, and taking it in joints, doing it in bong hits, it makes people escape whatever they're feeling. And then they get into that routine of it's nice to escape life. And then they continue to do it. You're, you're a proponent of the whole plant but you're a proponent of it in specific types of quantities so that it can have the best desired effect as opposed to saying to people, keep doing it recreationally because it allows you to escape life. Am I, is that a fair uh, summary of it all? Uh, I, I would say so, and I, I will, I'll talk to both sides of those things. So it, it always goes back to intention too, right? What is your intention, you know, behind why you're doing something in the first place, right? So my intention when I retired was to heal my brain. 
and it was to like heal my physical body and you know with that was the pain management there was a mental health and there's a spiritual health component there so it always goes back to intention if i'm you know trying to treat my cancer if i'm trying to treat you know colitis or whatever it lands up being the formula is going to be completely different for everybody and now now we're in a conversation around talking about you know a, medic a strictly medicinal use or a, a overall medicinal use versus a straight up recreational use I'm, I'm fully supportive of that side too because at the end of the day i'm all for harm reduction and drug diversion i'd rather see people smoking weed and probably you know most of the time abusing weed and cannabis than drinking heavily which is very destructive uh, and or you know being on and relying on uh, deadly and destructive pharmaceutical drugs like an opioid or you know get into ambient or some of these really you know dirty dark um type of drugs so you know can, you know so there's different phases of healing right i went through these still phases of healing whether i knew it or not where i was still abusing cannabis but I wasn't drinking as much. And then I was not drinking. You know what I mean? It's a stepping stones. I'm not talking that part down. Maybe Theo, as he chimes in here, will either echo this or maybe he won't because I know he and I have had these conversations before. My only fear with the recreational use, I agree with you. Let's have them use the recreational use instead of the other stuff that's even more harmful. But within the recreational use, the question is, do they feel like they're healing themselves without doing some of the other things like the yogas, the meditations, the mindfulness, the eating healthier, all those things to where the buildup and stress and trauma in their system over time of stuff that they're not getting to the source on, does that compound a little bit because you're only doing this recreationally, not in the ratios that you're talking about? And by the way, that doesn't mean I'm right. It, it's, just a, it's just a guess and a potential projection. Yeah, Theo, go ahead. So when we're talking about cannabis, psilocybin, all these drugs, these are spiritual medicines, okay, that come in their original state. They are not altered. They are not messed with. They are not synthetic. They are in their natural state. So when I put those things in my body, my body knows exactly what to do with it, okay, because we already have a cannabinoid system in our body, so our body knows when we put a pharmaceutical in our body it comes in a synthetic form and we put it in and our and our body goes oh, what is this I, I don't know what this is right so what happens is yes it, it has an effect but the the stuff that we don't use we can't uh excrete it from our body so what it does, it ends up in our in our intestines, in our liver, in our kidneys, and we can't remove it, which then causes all of the side effects, right? And there's a lot of people in the cannabis industry who don't look at this as a spiritual drug. They look at it with dollar signs, and that's all they see. That's why we're seeing drinks in convenience stores and all this stuff is because they're bastardizing the drug right? Which then confuses the consumer, right? And, and so, uh, you know, I get called all the time. Could you please endorse our Cybosilin product? Could you please endorse our Ibogaine product? And the first thing I say to them, I go, is there a spiritual aspect to your company? Or are you just, or are you just, wanting to make millions of dollars and you don't care how many people you hurt along the way because you're not educating them that this is a spiritual compound that essentially uh because i know this because i hang out with medicine men and shamans and all these guys and they treat the medicine in a very spiritual way and i'm not talking god here i'm talking spiritual i'm talking about having a relationship with the product that you're putting in your body and when you get to that state that particular uh cannabis product is going to even work better for you so here's the problem this is the problem marijuana is one of the only things in our world where we judge it based on what the intention is and and that 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 makes it a problem like we are talking about news we are talking about Shakari richardson like 
<laughs> the only reason why she's suspended from the Olympics is because WADA and USADA, if you look at the anti-doping agency and the rules and their mission, they say one of their missions is to uh, make sure that athletes you know, stay healthy, which, by the way, that shouldn't be any of their that shouldn't be their mission. Their mission is for the sanctity of the game. Nothing to do with, you know what, if they don't ban Oreos or fried chicken, they shouldn't ban marijuana. But why do they ban marijuana? Gatorade. What, right. Gatorade. <laughs> how, how, how about the massage guns? They, they, so so then then you say, OK, so why are they banning marijuana? Performance enhancer uh, eliminates pain or helps helps eliminate pain. OK, well, give me the study that shows that it is much, much more effective than than topicals or something else. And then and then also in this case, she's trying to run the fastest time in the world. She's trying to the 100 meter, the fastest race. How give me a study that then says that the down effects of marijuana don't conflict with the pain that you're taking away. I mean, it's the it is in touch. She is now not going to be in the Olympics because of the part of the anti-doping agency where they see it as their duty to protect the health of athletes. And it's because they've chosen to interpret marijuana in a different way, in a negative way. She didn't even break the law. It's been in Oregon legally for seven years. Okay. Yeah. So I, that's one of these things that like just drives me nuts and is the unfortunate part of marijuana that it's based on the interpretation. So, so, so if she had pain and she was taking uh, Oxycontins, would she be out of the Olympics? If she no, was she, caught with Oxy, Oxycontin in her system? Would she as long be, as she had a script. As long as yeah. it was you know, signed off with her doctor, she's all good, right? And, 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 and how... How much more deadlier is oxycotton than cannabis? <laughs> right. Well, how much well, more I, deadly are cigarettes? I mean, yeah. let's. How much more deadly is fried chicken? I mean, I, I'm just, you know, it, 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 it's not, it's not their job. And I'm just going a little bit further on this uh, because I'm passionate about it. It is not their job to determine what is healthy and what is not healthy, and especially when they can't tell you what it does. They can tell you what clenbuterol does. They can tell you what nandrolone does. But they can't tell you what was going on in her body as she was on. By the way, they boosted up the marijuana, how much you have to. I mean, she smoked a ton. Okay. But but then she was the fastest woman in the world. You can't even tell me what was going on in her body and what was the advantage. And to your point about intention, and I want Riley to, to finish because because I'm really fascinated in the recreation versus the, the medicinal piece and, and getting his opinion on it. But you know, I think what makes her, her her case so interesting is that who the fuck can't relate to losing a loved one? So you're now taking a drug and what sometimes gets stigmatized in terms of how it's being used. Is it natural? Is it not natural? And now you're putting in the lens of this is a human being that needs to perform at their job and something that they've been chasing and they need this natural substance because their anxiety is reaching such a certain level that they're not able to function because that was such a shock to the system. I think that's why you're seeing more and more people come to the defense of this because it's like I can relate to that. Why do I bring that up? Because we talk about the context of the mental health conversation. And when we use just anxiety, PTSD, OCD, people don't necessarily relate as much because they don't have that label and they don't know that label. You start talking about loss of loved one, sickness of loved one, divorce, job loss, breakup, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, all the different challenges we go through, that's what brings people in. And I, and I think a key learning for the space within cannabis, within plant medicine is how do we start tying in some of the personal stories of usage in order to normalize what and how this can do for us? So, Riley, I know you were raising your hand and sorry, we, we, we obviously, as you could tell, get really passionate about these topics, but please continue as you were sharing kind of the, the juxtaposition of, of the um, recreational versus the, the, the more formal usage. Yeah, and you know, and to Darren's point there, whether she was using it medicinally or recreational, 
or, or whatever reason she was using it, it doesn't matter. I'm not sure why these bureaucrats, uh, the government, all these these agencies want to get involved in the first place. They pretend to want to take care of your health, but but in the same in the same breath, you know, Kellogg's Pop Tarts are, are, are a healthy food on the government website. So it's not about health. It's always about control and controlling medicine and and the whole bit. And and cannabis is still a Schedule One drug in the U.S. And uh, I believe there's a United Nations treaty around cannabis. So there's a lot of politics around that, um, but it has nothing to do with health. Riley, for everyone out there, Schedule One means they believe that it doesn't have productive effects, right? That it's it has just no a, medical value and it's highly medical, addictive is really yep. what falls into the category, okay. of, which is definition of uh, white refined sugar, in my opinion, you know, and that's, pl- you know, plagued um, our nation you know, throughout our food systems. Um, so it's not about health. I mean, they always want to make about that, but it's really not. I mean, uh, you know, humans have been using cannabis forever. Whatever the te- intention may be behind why they use it, who gives a shit? Let humans be. Let them be. You know, it, it's not under the category of a, a performance enhancing drug. So let them be. And, you know, that's my stance on it. So, you know, on that but recreational, medicinal, um, you know, at the end of the day, cannabis is a therapeutic plant. There's a reason why people keep going back to cannabis, whether they misuse it or they use it with actual, you know, respect and true intention. I, I think it, it comes with levels of consciousness and awareness, right? Like, like most people, when they get introduced to cannabis, they, they've probably been drinking forever and taking pharmaceuticals forever. Their, their level of, of consciousness is is... I say it's fairly low around what plant medicines and what true healing is. Uh, ca- cannabis and psilocybin and these plant medicines are conscious forming. They 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 increase awareness versus alcohol. It, it decreases awareness. The more you drink, they don't want us awake. They don't want us awake. It's 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 a war on spirit. It's a war on con- consciousness. It's always been that way, and yeah. now it's very very apparent to what's going on. Um, well, why do you why do you think we're getting suppressed on social media? Yeah, Riley, I, I don't know if you notice the same thing. I see what you talk about. I see the size of the audience you have. I've noticed when we talk about natural healing modalities, when we talk about bringing people together, the stuff that we were talking about before the show about coming together in sameness as opposed to separating us into labels and buckets they suppress the shit out of that yeah, stuff but, but if i put by the way if i put up a post about this particular athlete attempted suicide it goes bonkers right now i'm doing it to normalize this suicide conversation but they don't have a problem with that message because it gets into people's minds oh there's a suicide problem out there you got to take this drug now because there's a suicide problem the second we start talking about solutions and ways people can come together, they want no friggin' part of it. Of well, course they, not. They, it destabilizes the system. But they don't want any part of Riley's journey. They don't want any part of your journey, Riley. No, no you know? part. And no part. You, you, know, you know what was interesting was I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1996, okay? And it was, it was during training camp. So I spent two weeks in the hospital. They stuck me, blood, whatever, right? And and Crohn's is an autoimmune disorder, right? So they put me on prednisone, which is a steroid, okay? And I swear to God, I was like, I know why every Olympic athlete takes steroids. Because I, I basically laid in a hospital bed for two weeks, got out of bed, got put on the prednisone and went right into the regular season. And I could have played the whole entire game and not got tired. The whole game. (laughs) I could have played the whole. And I was like, holy shit. But the side effects were my hands and my feet started to swell up and all kinds of crazy side effects. And I was like, I better get off this stuff, you know. But you know, you know, why athletes take all this stuff is because you know we want to perform at the optimum level so that we can sustain for as long as we possibly can that paycheck that comes every two weeks because there's nowhere else in the world where i can get that paycheck where i can make 400 grand every two weeks after taxes there's no job that i'm equipped for because i spent my whole life training to be a professional hockey player 
And that's all I focused on. So I didn't go to school. I didn't pay attention in school. You know, I was ultra focused. So when I left the game, <clears throat> when I left the game, yeah, what am I going to do? I'm going to get drunk, fucking snort cocaine, chase women, you know, all that shit. Because I am an empty soul because I sold my soul to the game of hockey. Sold it. Full in. I was all in, full in. Whatever you wanted me to take, whatever you wanted me to do, I was all in. And now, 17 years later, after I retired, I can't get out of bed in the morning because I'm so stiff and, you know, got all these inflammatory issues and all these things. So, you know, thanks for educating us. Thanks for giving me hope, right? Which is what this show is all about, is we're selling hope, right? And we're using every, we're getting opinions from people who are experts in the field that we're talking about that there's a different way to do this. And holding hands, Theo. And, and like holding hands, like Riley being a part. How did I get to know Riley? Because our buddy Robin Lanner said, Riley's a good dude. I've, you know, I, I like what he's working on. You should get to know him. And now, you know, I said, Riley, the information, I want Riley to be a part of this alliance, right? Like to come together and all of us work together and raise the level and not allow suppression of social media to stop us because you get a lot of people together all working towards the same goal that's a hell of a lot harder for people to stop than individual accounts where you've got one person talking about it at a time. And, and, and Riley, you know, in the last couple of minutes here off of the, some of the stuff Theo was saying about being given hope, I, I, I'd love for you to share, you know, I, I, in reading some of your stuff and, and, and getting to know what you're all about, you've shared that there's this three prong and I, I I'm probably not saying it as eloquently as you said, but uh, the three prong approach where it's the plant medicine, it's the movement of yoga and it's the meditation together. That is this, you know, uh, magic formula, if you will, that's really helped you heal. Can you, can you explain for everyone why the meditation and the yoga are two important components and pieces along with the plant medicine to how you've been able to go on this great healing journey? Yeah, so I guess the simplest way uh, to explain is that we we are spiritual beings rocking a meat suit, right? We're all spiritual beings, and uh, this is our vehicle, right? So we have to take care of the physical body. I think, you know, the, the heavy lifting and the taxing of the joints and stressing out the body, um, it, you know, is is is, is in, in, in our past. Like, I, I don't feel like we need to do that to sustain a healthy body, right? But we need a healthy body to to move around and, and and to get things accomplished and to live a happy, you know, joyful life. Right? That's the, you know the, the the mission of living is to find joy and happiness in life. You, you have to be physically healthy, right? That's to some degree. You, you know, you certainly can't be laboring and in and out of the doctor's office all day long. So the physical practice of yoga. When you think of yoga, everyone thinks of physical practice. Well, that's just one limb of the eight limbs, right? There's all these, you know, other pieces of concentration, meditation, and, 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 you know, just doing good and, you know, moral values and stuff, which a lot of religious texts teach, obviously. Um, and then there's this meditation. It's controlling the mind. And what I've learned between yoga and plant medicines, and they're very, very similar, is that they help you get out of the thinking mind and back to the heart. Again, being a spiritual being when you say the heart, it's like misunderstood too, right? It's like, oh, the heart, oh, it sounds so lovey. Well, it's, it's the, the heart is 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 feeling. It's feeling, right? It's intuition. It's just like being able to be and feel as opposed to thinking and, and you know, getting into the analytical mind of trying to figure everything out. Just knowing as opposed to thinking. Does that make any sense? So it's so it's like this, yeah. So it's all these, it's these three things together, but they're you know, they all require self-discipline. I mean, wellness I'm laughing, is, requires... I'm laughing, Riley, as you're asking if that makes sense, because Theo and I, in personal conversations, and then when we mentor other people who call us, we all, all the time go, um, we tried to think our way out of mental health, and that did not end at a good place. <laughs> you can't. There's no way. There's no way you can. It's getting back it's to the heart. I mean, yeah. yoga and, and, and by the way, I, I can't wait to learn from you because... I'll be completely honest. After my two and a half years of misery, while I've gotten to a better place cognitively, like before I couldn't put sentences together when I was laying down, I started to do the healing that got me a better place. One of the things I still struggle with is my connection to my feelings. And 
you know, that, that, that makes me feel like less of a whole person, but it also makes me feel like I'm not healed right to the, to the look. And we're always going to be always on a healing journey. I don't want to say the term healed in terms of a final destination, but you know, I I'm doing more yoga. I'm doing more meditation. I told you, we call them star exercises and we believe that there's a collection of practices, but even the nuances of what those practices are and how you're able to touch into those and get back those feelings and emotions so they're not placed on those shelves, which is what our brain sometimes does to protect us is like, okay, you're in your thinking brain right now. Sorry, you can't access all these other things right now. It's too much energy. We're going to keep you away from it and how to be able to bring that all back. So it's it's beautiful, the stuff that you're talking about, man. Yeah, and you said it right there. When you're in the thinking mind, it's it's hard to be. It's hard to find that peace, you know, and, and, and going back to the heart is like we've I, – I think that's what the Industrial Revolution has created is, is robotic behavior, less creativity, less, you know, say obviously less shamanism. I mean in the sense of just being, you know, leading from the heart. And, you know, yoga, you know, the philosophy of yoga and psychedelics – um, they're both paths back to the heart. And when you, wh whether you're going through a psychedelic experience, you're releasing trauma, you're releasing, you know, you're releasing negative energies that you've been carrying for, for, it could be since you were born, it could be generational trauma, who knows? Um, and, and the same thing with yoga, every time you get off your mat, every time you meet your mat, you meet your mat, you know, where you are today. And then every time you leave that mat after the practice, there's almost this little mini sense of rebirth, right? I mean, you've, you've shed a little bit of trauma, maybe you've released some blockages and that's really what it's all about, but it's a, it's a daily practice to our points earlier is that you can't just pop a pill or just take cannabis or just, you know, do a ceremony of psilocybin and expect that everything is going to magically get better because the, the practice, the self-discipline is the integration and all these things together and get, you know, getting back to something simple is fundamental, as fundamental as, as, uh, as diet you know if, if food is intelligence and hippocrates said this um years ago like let food be thy medicine medicine be our food what's well, we are the medicine you know <laughs> breathing it's like how do how do we become so disconnected to breathing <laughs> pranayama it's like a sanskrit word for deep breathing but we become shallow breathers because we're, we're anxious we're, you know we're breathing out of our our you know upper chest and our mouth and um Flavor getting flight. back yeah, fight or flight, right? We're we're anxious beings, and then and then meditation. Well, most people I, I talk to about meditation, they're like, I can't meditate. My you know, my mind just doesn't stop racing. Well, your your mind's probably never going to stop racing, but you can at least find moments within you know a five, ten minute, twenty minute practice where you do find a sense of peace, maybe for three seconds at a time, even. And, and uh, one of my meditation teachers once said, "It's like imagine like you're going into a a dark room." And just for three seconds, you can turn on the light and you can just kind of observe the room for three seconds and the light goes back off. Well, at least for those three seconds, you're able to kind of like make sense of, of yourself, yourself in the sense of like who you really are as a divine being. So it's a practice. I mean, meditation is not an easy thing to do. Uh, I'm putting together a program called Fit to Sit because most people can't even sit still, find a sense of stillness um, with themselves because they're so anxious. They need to be doing, doing, doing. Are you are you insulting me right now? I, you know, I, I think <laughs> no, there's no insults here. No, yeah. it's all love, but it's uh, a three. I got, I got a three point three second attention span. No, but that's most people. That's most people. R Riley, this is like. Every, it's amazing the the you know I mentioned to you before the chronology of how this all comes together is and how you shared and where you ended up in this hour that we spent together is exactly Theo. I mean, tell me if you agree. This is exactly what we wanted out of this session because what you did was you you tied it in a bow where you said we are a collection of all these things and these are the things we need to get back to that center and as someone who's a plant medicine um you know endorser let's call it that or or believer to also say it's all these other things and when you're saying i think the reason why theo and i were were, were smiling when you were talking is because the two R's and star are releasing and rewiring, right? It's it, it's helping people understand what's happening into our system and then how we get it out of us. And so you've been an incredible guest given what's going on with the NFL now um, investing, with, with other leagues now investing. By the way, one thing that we didn't mention, other leagues now um, not 
testing in the same level of let's call it fervent way uh, that they did before and 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 penalizing players. So so movement is going in the right direction on that side of things. And then the Sharkari um, uh, uh, conversation as well. It just it was the perfect storm right now. So so Riley, I, I want you to to hopefully feel like you're a part of this team also. I know you've got your teams and everything. It, it it's pleasure connecting with you because of how much you know about this. And I'll end on this. When I first was healing, I saw an image of Eddie George looking like a brick shit house, doing yoga with his football down at the mat. And I go, that's the shit that people need to see. And to Theo's point, the powers that be don't want to see Riley Cote doing the shit that you're doing because you're an enforcer in the NHL who's now doing this spiritual journey and they don't like that because that's natural and it helps people heal in a way that doesn't line other people's pockets. Let's keep building this. Let's keep talking about this. Let's keep putting this out there. Let's get the Robin Lanners, the Eddie Georges, the Theo Fleury's, the you together, and let's keep that conversation going because that's the only way that real change happens. So thank you, man, for coming on the show. It's been awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, thanks, guys. So on behalf of Darren Neville, Theo Fleury, Riley Cote, this is Eric Hewson. Another episode of We're All a Little Crazy, and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much. You just heard We're All a Little Crazy, brought to you by the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement and the Hockey Podcast Network.